Hello and welcome to Sound Advice, a behind-the-scenes look at entrepreneurship in arts and entertainment, offering a sound platform for musicians and industry experts to share their best ideas and insights to help you achieve success. From Rocket Hub to Kickstarter, crowdfunding is the fastest-growing vehicle for nonprofits, artists, musicians, and businesses to raise money to support entrepreneurial efforts. First, we meet singer-songwriter and crowdfunding pioneer Jill Sobiel. Best known for the Billboard hits I Kissed a Girl and Supermodel, Jill's career has spanned multiple decades and cemented her status in the folk rock world. We discuss the inspiration and strategy behind her fan-base-funded 2009 release, California Years. Raising over $80,000 in two months, Jill gives us the insight into the strategies that made her first crowdfunded venture such a success. After that, we'll speak to industry expert, CEO, and co-founder of Rocket Hub, Brian Meese. Brian discusses how he started the pioneering company that has helped thousands of artists, entrepreneurs, and social leaders raise millions of dollars through various crowdfunding. With a career spanning 11 records, then two decades spent performing and recording, Jill Sobiel has had her fair share of controversy. Her songs have explored provocative topics, including depression, the Christian right, the death penalty, and even the 2016 presidential race. We're going to explore the entrepreneur, the crowdfunding pioneer who ditched the record company in favor of connecting directly with her audience. Crowdfunding 101 starts today on Sound Advice. One, two, three, one, two, three. When they say we want our America back, our America back, our America back, well, what the f*** do they mean? Welcome, Jill. Thank you for having me. That's great. Pleasure to see you. I'm glad to talk about this. Yeah, this is going to be exciting. I'd like to talk a little bit about the um, your crowdfunding journey. Let's start with that, okay? Uh, you recently said that you liked uh, being thought of as a pioneer in the world of fan-based funding. You started your own label, Pinko Records, I think it was called. Yeah. And that was in 2009. And uh, you were one of the first artists to finance your own record, California Years, through crowdfunding. You raised oh, like over $80,000 in two months. Sure. Well, the 2008, this was before Kickstarter, okay. Pledge, Music. Um, and I thought, I have a whole bunch of new songs. Uh, what am I going to do? I, I don't have money to put out a record. And, and I know that there's no label that's going to sign me and, and give me money to go into the studio. And uh, I thought, shit, what am I going to do? And I realized I have really, you know, a small but mighty fan base. And uh, a friend of mine, Tony Camus, we thought, over a bottle of wine, and he he creates websites, and we thought, here's an idea. What if I asked my fans to help me, but not just give me money? I would create uh, different levels of contributions in in lieu of different gifts and services. So we came up with jillsnextrecord.com, and... Um, we made uh, a list of different levels from polished rock, which was a digital copy of right, the right. record, to weapons-grade plutonium. 
uh, which was you get to sing on my record with me. And we did this partly for fun, you know, never thinking anything would would really happen. I mean, if it went on, I thought maybe my mom and her Mahjong friends and some fans, and I'd get enough to go on, you know, in, into a small studio and, sure. and do my thing. So uh, then it kind of went crazy. I don't know how it happened, but should I continue? Or yeah, you want to ask? a little bit. Okay. You know, I'd like to know. Yes. There was probably a couple of ideas that really hit home hard and uh, generated a lot, the most activity. What, what one or two ideas were those? Well, I think people liked theme songs. Okay. I'd write you your own personal theme song. I asked people to send me a couple paragraphs of themselves okay. or of a loved one they wanted to gift with a theme song. And that was just really funny and fun to do. Um, I saw people wanting house concerts. But my favorite ones, oh, yeah, you you would get your name mentioned at the end of a, my record with a song. And that was a good one. And also you'd be on the record jacket of, of as executive producers. I think that I always had a good relationship to my fan base. There was always a, uh, a good relationship, meaning, and maybe because it wasn't so huge, I'd always, if they emailed me, I'd always respond. There's always a sense of uh, response and call in the relationship. I'm the kind of artist that likes... There's other people that like to be on a stage and don't like to see the audience. And I like to be in the living room. Well, that's the key. And connecting. Connecting. That's the key, the social media. And you d you really tapped into that incredibly well to be right. able to do what you did. And also I had the benefit. It was a time before people were getting... 20 email requests from different Kickstarters or, or pledge music drives in your inbox every day. It was before anyone else was doing it, so uh, it, it stood out. Yeah. You know, with the uh, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, you've got the Rocket Hub. Brian Meese is one of our guests, as a matter of fact. He's uh, on, the same, on the same... Oh, great. Yeah, so you know Brian very well. Um, there are a number of other avenues and sites and artists working outside the traditional record label. And you've got a vision, as we talked about, the visionary. What's your vision for crowdfunding affecting uh, how, the ability to free up the artists so that they're more control of their licensing, their music, their art well, in general? What, what's your feeling? What's your vision on that? Well, I don't know if it's a vision. I think it's more of a looking for a sense of survival for musicians and, and artists. I mean, right now, with Spotify and, and streaming, I, mean, uh, I know most songwriters and so many musicians are not having the best time these days trying to figure out where to get income. So I think this also is a place to go directly to your fans uh, to say... You know, if you're a fan or you like what I do, help me out. But it's not saying, you know, give me money. One thing that uh, is is interesting, what happened was somehow the AP and Kara Swisher from uh, all, at that time she was with Wall Street Journal, All Things D, they got a hold of, of what I was doing. And then I started getting publicity for this crazy new idea. Uh, then CNN came to me, and then all of a sudden I started getting, I started getting uh, 
donations from people I didn't know. I got one that says, I don't like your music, but I love what you're doing. Here's $25. You know, it was like, I'll take it. <laughs> so, and actually, I stopped at 85000 I mean, it was unbelievable. I had no idea, but I stopped at 85000 because I got this nasty uh, response from Perez Hilton. You know, Perez Hilton, the, you know, he's supposed to be a nicer guy these days, but at that time he was a nasty piece of work. And it had a horrible picture of me with these dollar signs saying greedy, 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 that I, that uh, this, this thing I was doing, this crowdfunding, he didn't to call it that, there was no name for it, was, was this horrible thing and a greedy thing. And then I stopped because I was, I, I'd never had any bad publicity, <laughs> you know, and I'm like the least greedy person I know. And, and so, and then of course, like eight months later, everybody is doing this. So th- there was that thing. And then the other thing was I know someone who said, uh, I'm working with these two boys who uh, are interested in doing, you know, they're, they're doing something similar and they'd love to talk to you about what worked and what didn't work for you. And it had ended up being these two guys who started something called Kickstarter. And then I'm thinking, why didn't I try to start a business? What am I thinking? I'm an artist. I'm just a schmo. But uh, <laughs> creative. <laughs> creative. You're the creative. So that was that. Tell us more about the entrepreneurial efforts, uh, you know, in your upcoming project featuring the song about America's America back, right? Because oh. you're you've been spotted with Bernie Sanders, and you know you've got a lot of a lot of things going on. Yeah, well, I've always been a, a you know, I went to school not for music but for political science. I was I was always well in international affairs. That sounded the fancier. Joe, we didn't know. Yeah, I wanted to be an ambassador. I, I was I've always been interested in politics. When I was a little girl in, in third grade or fourth grade, I would uh, go home every day. Uh, and not play with my friends so I could uh, watch Watergate, you know, then <laughs> the trials. That wow. was, you know. So activism has always been a part of everything I've done. And, and I had this idea of, and we haven't come out with it yet, but soon, of having a website or platform where artists, professional and amateur, can... Uh, express themselves or more or have their more politically or socially conscious songs or material. I mean, this does feel like a time in, when Woody Guthrie, uh, you know, had, in the 30s, sang in the Depression era. You had your 60s protest songs, the Vietnam era, the c- civil rights era songs. So to me, this feels like, especially with the millennials getting so— uh, A new era. A new era. So I thought, but you know, and a lot of people saying, where are the protest songs? So I want to create a place for people for, to deal with issues local, national, global. Like I said, amateur and pro-alike where they can, they can uh, participate and also start with a, uh, a compilation record of, of artists that maybe we all know and love and— and, uh, so that's the idea of the platform, to have this political voice right. and for artists to join in and you co-create uh, a, a political movement with the sound with the of the, 
millennial. The end of the millennial or the, or the older folk or like older, me. Yeah, they're like, yeah, like us, right? Uh, Todd. Todd, Todd Rundgren yeah. said he was going to give a song. Uh, I influenced Loudon Wainwright, who, who wrote a song about if Trump was president. So so uh, my friend John Doe is going to do uh, an old Phil Oak song. So so protest songs, it can be a, a, a you know, it, it can include a lot. So So I thought that that sounded like a, a thing to do now because in the 60s, pop culture, popular music, you know, when the most popular artist, the Smothers Brothers, were singing protest songs or not that, you know, I'm a, uh, and there's a few now, I mean, from Beyonce to, but, but it doesn't feel like yet there's an explosion. The, the, sort of, of like the movement of the, the protest. Movement. Yeah. yeah, and, and uh, like I said, it can have a wide meaning, what Absolutely. protest is for you on a, a, a small level or on a global level. So right now we're trying to figure out, I'm looking for a good artist, graphic artist to help out. Um, and um, we're, we're just at the beginning of this. Yeah, I think uh, you've got the seeds to really make that happen. And I'm going to do a Kickstarter for my own next record. And I have been so scared to do this ever since I did it. Because I'm thinking, uh, how could... If I don't match what I did I, before. Yeah, I don't expect to do that, but, but I, I've been so scared and I put a block. But again, I'm at a place where I, I have to go to uh, the people who, who, who uh, I went to before. And, and so, uh, as I'm talking to you now, I'm trying to figure that one out. Because, you know, like I said, everyone is so inundated by request mm -hmm. from crowd-funded campaigns. So there's the political stuff. Of course, I was saying to someone here is this is my this is the stuff that really gets me. My porn mm -hmm. is interspecies friendship videos. Come on, the hippo and the turtle. Oh, You've seen okay. those ones and the the orangutan and the hound dog. And now I have all my friends sending. You can't get enough of that stuff. So <laughs> the, 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 the one I'll send you, the one I love yeah, yeah. today, was a, a sleeping pig with a, a kitten that's petting the sleeping pig. Yeah, like like actual uh, petting. That's fine. So, uh, you know, okay. to each his own, you yeah, know, yeah. That, that's, that's my bag. What have you learned along the way during your crowdfunding journey? Well, I think I'm still learning. Like I said, uh, it, it was a while ago, and I think you have to figure out how to rise above all the noise. And I think maybe what I've been told also is the more personal you make it, the the better it is. I, I mean, I've been told uh, with Kickstarter now, you, you're the video. I didn't have to have a video back then. You know, you should be spending money on your video. It should be this amazing video for your Kickstarter campaign, which seems to be, you know, you know, I don't. It also seems to me that maybe someone could, on their iPhone, say something personal too. You know, for for no money. I don't know what will work, but I think the that it being personal and uniquely you is the best thing. And I think what when I started Jill's next record, it really was. I had my mom. It was very funny. I, I said, you know, I have trouble talking about myself, so I'm going to have my mother talk. So I had my mother say this whole spiel, and it was really funny. And, and uh, my daughter's in a, a 
tremendous talent, and would you help her? She can't get a record deal, and you know. So, I think that that was really different, and and uh, and also the uh, the gifts or services you may make them personal. Something that you would like. I love. Who doesn't want a theme song for themselves? Yeah, I'll write you a theme song. I would really appreciate that. Okay, you just have to write me a couple paragraphs or more about yourself, and and you'll have one. Thank you, Jill. Okay, it was a pleasure. Thank you. What the f- do they need? <laughs> At FHC Wealth Advisors, we know you because we are you. We provide private wealth services for entrepreneurs and business owners that touch the entertainment community. We are a dedicated team of specialists whose sole goal is to reduce the stress around your finances so you can maximize your creativity. With custom-tailored strategies and a team approach, we can help you stay creative. Call us today at 973-244-9222 or check us out at www fhcadvisors.com for your complimentary two-meeting consultation. FHC Wealth Advisors is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp., member FINRA and SIPC. Brian is CEO of Rocket Hub. Yeah, CEO of Rocket Hub. Great, let's start. Let's do it. All right, man. Here we go. <laughs> well, thank you, Richard. Thanks for having me. But why don't you just share with the audience what your background is and how you found yourself to be where you are today? Sure. So before becoming a technology CEO um, for, a, you know, for, a, for a startup, uh, my background was in creative media and the arts. So I grew up playing in bands. I played in marching band in high school. I played in rock bands and punk rock bands. Um, I also went to film school. Um, so my background was really in the creative field before moving to New York City, uh, going back to graduate school and looking at kind of the the waves. I was looking at the, the waves of my community and I was thinking, what's the next wave I want to surf? And technology was starting to become active. And this is 2008, 2009. It was started to kind of to, to be an exciting uh, community here in New York and, and a relatively new thing. Um, and so my colleagues and I formed a company in 2009. Our platform came out in you know January of 2010. And um, I think that that creative perspective, though, is really um, an important um, piece of, of my story as an entrepreneur, because that's where I first saw the crowdfunding model. I remember seeing Darren Aronofsky in the late 1990s, crowdfund the movie Pi when I was out raising funds from angel investors and things at the same time. And I remember thinking like, wow, that's a really interesting way to get a movie funded. I think he raised $60,000, you know, pre-social media, just to, you know, through his own community. And then a few years later, I saw a singer-songwriter by the name of Jill Sobel, who had a hit in the 90s. Um, and had a, a, a fantastic you know, body of work uh, beyond that. Um, I saw her launch her own record label, uh, re- or, sorry, her own website 
called Fun Jill's Record because she was dropped from her record label and she was looking for to make a very modest uh, record, uh, singer-songwriter, kind of very stripped-down kind of record, and she was looking to raise $10,000. And ultimately, she raised over $100,000 before shutting down the website, and I had heard her story on NPR around, around fan funding and community funding, and the light bulb kind of went off on my head that, you know, this is going to be a big thing, not only for the artists, but also for other idea makers um, that are looking to launch something. Um, and so I became kind of a, a student of, of, of social media and, and that led me to the crowdfunding wave and I'm still uh, surfing it. So that's kind of my story. Uh, crowdfunding, let's just touch on that a little bit. I know the laws have changed recently and it allows for tier three crowdfunding. Why don't you share a little bit about what's gone on in the past and what do you see in the future? Right, right. So the laws are, are changing. I think they aren't um, making anything different from the model that a lot of artists already use. They're just adding on a new option. So uh, basically what, what the success of crowdfunding um, and, you know, and funding new endeavors, um, the, the laws have, have shifted to open up new funding options for crowdfunders. So the current model, the current popular model is kind of a pre-orders model, especially for musicians. You know, you you making a record, you're doing a tour, you're doing a music video, whatever your musical project might be, and fans can kind of pre-order products or services associated with that project. Um, now, with some of the new laws coming down the pike, one of them being Title Three of the Jobs Act, it really opens up new opportunities for crowdfunders, especially for creatives that might be a little bit further on in their career, creative credibility. They may have, um, you know, an interesting uh, opportunity for investors. And that's what this does. So the new laws around the Jobs Act open up crowdfunding to be an investment tool. So instead of pre-ordering a T-shirt or a CD, a potential investor can have a stake in what that, uh, what that creative um, is doing and potentially return. Um, so uh, look for more activity around Title III to come middle of, 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 uh, of the year. Um, Title II is another component of the JOBS Act, uh, which is currently for uh, accredited investors. So um, those you know, wealthier individuals that, that have the ability, um, uh, they have the ability to invest online and things now. But Title III opens up uh, the, the market for unaccredited investors, the, the true crowd in my book. Um, to anybody that wants to potentially invest uh, in somebody. So it's an interesting time and an exciting time. And, and look at this, if you're you know, exploring the crowdfunding um, you know, landscape, look at this as yet another flavor uh, in the crowdfunding realm, right? So I like to think of crowdfunding as really having four different flavors. The first one is donations. And that's, that one's one, that's a model we, we know all, all too well, right? So you know, if, if whether it might be a, you know, a, a natural disaster or something that really resonates, you, know, you donate money to, to causes that you, that you believe in. Um, the second flavor is the pre-sales model or the perks model, right? So in exchange for funds, you get an, a product, a service, an experience back, right? And, and we do those first two models on Rocket Hub now. And the third model is the investment model. So I give some money and I actually have a stake in the venture and, and I have a stake in it doing well. And I hope that it does well financially. And if it does, 
very well financially, then I get a return on my investment. And then the fourth flavor of crowdfunding is uh, a loan, right? So my you know peer-to-peer lending, I would say, would be a flavor of loan crowdfunding, or even Kiva or sites that do microfinance. You, know, you put a little bit of money towards something um, or towards someone, and you get the money back as a as an uh, uh, as a an investor and as a uh, you know as somebody that's receiving the loan. You have the money collectively to do what you want to do. Do you? You mentioned that you do the first two, which are the donation and the uh, sort of like the pre-sales kind of stuff, but uh, you don't do the other two? Well, current, as of this recording, um, that is accurate. However, we're currently exploring launching new products in 2016 um, that will be a more fulsome Okay. So just kind of putting, before we get back to the real spirit of entrepreneurship in the creative arts, uh, a little bit more about the business, how the uh, the vision that you see in the future uh, for artists may, being able to take advantage of this uh, and what you see going on. Right. You know, well, I think crowdfunding is, it's, it's an exciting thing, but it's also not a silver bullet. I think artists, um, you know, creatives of all sorts, in addition to honing their creative skills and, and, you know, also have to be honing their business skills now and, and their networking skills and their people skills because crowdfunding is people funding people. So, um, you know, and as exciting as having your creative work is, you know, out there and, 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 and see it come to fruition, you also have to have the, the business sense, the network sense, the marketing sense, which could be very scary for a lot of folks, especially folks that may be like me or a little more introverted yeah. So let's go back to entrepreneurial stuff for a moment. Um, you consider yourself an entrepreneur. I do, of course. Do yeah, you? I, I consider myself really kind of a blend of artist and entrepreneur. I mean, I, 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 I built Rocket Hub with my co-founders, much like I was building a creative project or a band or, you know, I, I, I play the ukulele and sing, for example, right? But I wanted co-founders that play different roles. I don't want to, you know, to use a band metaphor, I don't want to have three other singing ukulele players. I want to have, you know, a drummer that's going to make sure everything's precise and in pocket, you know, it might be the CTO role, right? I want to make sure I've got, um, you know, a lead guitar player that's flashy and a little more extroverted that can go out and grab, you know, you know, uh, uh, grab customers or whatever it might be. So, you know, you, you have these different roles that you need to fill as a band, as a founding team of, of a company. Um, and there are the different zones that each person kind of covers. And sometimes those zones bleed through much like a band. And, um, uh, but that's how I look at it as kind of, I, I really look, I really look at a lot of my life, like bands and surfing, you know, like what wave do I want to ride next? How do I get, how do I paddle out there and get to it? How do I, you know, how do I beat everybody else that's in the lineup to get the wave? And, and then I have a lot of other musical metaphors too on, you know, that's very making, funny. making music together. So, so I am an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm proud of the, the work I've done as an entrepreneur. I've been much more successful as an entrepreneur than I ever was as an artist or creative. But at, at my, I think my soul is very much more, uh, a more of an artist. You're a social media monster. <laughs> I mean, really, you, you have an incredible grasp on that. How do you keep, what kind of apps do you like? What's a favorite app of yours? And how do you keep yourself organized? Okay, I've not been called a social media monster. I personally um, 
I'm not. I'm personally not on Twitter, although Rocket Hub is, and we have a a, a nice you know fan base there. Um, so I, I keep organized through Hootsuite. Um, from uh, you know, I check to see what's happening. We have someone that manages our social media, but I keep up with it through Hootsuite just to kind of see what's going on. Um, and uh, I think that you know, social media is one of those things that you have to take seriously and you have to be thoughtful. And it's a place to build brands and have conversations. And um, you know, it's but it's also a, not a, an end all be all, right? So. Again, the balance thing, right? I said crowdfunding is not a silver bullet. It's not going to work for everybody, everything, every place. You know, it's got, it works for kind of core, you know, core groups that have you know a, a fan base and something to offer. Um, same things with social media. You know, you need to know it, you need to understand it, you need to measure it, track it, but also, you know, you can easily just get lost in it if you're not focused on other elements. You know, so you got to have a balance, balanced approach to it. Yep. Resources, a lot, you know, kind of wrap this thing up here. Um, resources that you use, uh, or how do we, and also how do we find you? Yeah, so a couple places you can find me. You can find me on efactor.com. You can find me on linkedin.com. Those are the two places you can find me, connect, send me messages. Um, and and uh, in terms of uh, resources, um, you know, I, I, there are a couple of, of, uh, of brands that I really like that cover the startup news. Um, Entrepreneur, I think, has a fan, done a fantastic job, of it, and they've given us plenty of, of coverage. So thank you, Entrepreneur. Uh, they're also a partner of the Alley. Alley NYC is where we're actually recording this podcast now. So thank you, Alley NYC, for being a fantastic home for us for the last you know several years now. Um, and um, I read a lot of Fast Company. I read a lot of Inc., um, I've been reading, uh, I'm also trying to, again, balance. Yeah. I'm trying to read entrepreneurial stuff, but I'm also trying to get out of just reading entrepreneurial stuff and, and, and learn about, you know, my new thing is, is mechanical watches. Like my thing last year was Hawaiian, vintage Hawaiian shirts. My thing this year is mechanical watches. So like, what's, what, what's that business all about? Cause everyone's talking about the iWatch and the Apple watch and smart watches and smart things. And I'm going back saying, I have a mechanical watch. It winds up by itself, and I love that. And how does that work, and how do you make that? And how has this company survived for the last 75 years making these watches? And so that's when I, when I have spare time and I'm not reading, I'm usually geeking out over mechanical watches. Well, I have to have another conversation about that. <laughs> that sounds very interesting. I want to thank you, Brian. This was a tremendous conversation. Thank you for allowing me to interview you, and uh, I wish you the best of luck with your future endeavors. It sounds like you really got it going. Hey, Richard, thank you so much. Um, you're a fantastic in- interviewer, by the way. And, um, you know, I- I'm grateful for the opportunity. So, so thank you. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of Sound Advice. I'm your host, Richard Brownstein. If you like the show, why not subscribe? And check us out online at thesoundentrepreneur.com. Thank you.